This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, it's going. Hi. <laughs> My mouth is full. My arm is sore. Well, it's, you know, don't get it freaking out. Like It's not the cervical radiculopathy kind of sore. It's just from uh, working on spoons. Mm. And I mean, by working on spoons, I guess I should clarify, because that can mean other things. You know, We do have the spoon theory. The that. spoon theory, yeah. Uh-huh. But no, this is... Uh, um, I don't know what I, I just got to be in my bonnet. We were working on the uh, the pep stuff, the uh, BB for carving a wooden spoon, and my favorite wooden spoon is from Serviceberry, and we have tons of Serviceberry here, and so uh, the Serviceberry spoon that we have now is got to be ten years old or more, and so. Um, I thought let's let's go and get a chunk of service berry and whittle up a spoon. So um, we we went out and got that and and it's uh, well I, I'm trying to okay skippity skippity skip. Uh, the the thing is is that um, on the first blank I took a hatchet and I'm working on it and I'm thinking like wow this service berry is tough. And then you had a blank that you were working on too. And um, uh, you were using a different hatchet. And so I switched hatchets for a second, and your hatchet was far sharper than mine. (laughs) And it's like, oh, this is so much easier. So um, uh, at some point in time, I just got obsessed, and I couldn't stop. I just, and uh, I think, uh, and it's green wood, so it goes really fast. Um, if your tools are sharp, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I ended up with a pretty nice looking spoon. Yeah, yeah, you did. There were a few wood chips in my office, right? And and I learned that because my stuff is so sharp, I was I was cutting off very large pieces of wood, which the vacuum cleaner did not like. <laughs> <laughs> Even the shop vac, and, it was and, a smaller shop vac. And yeah. then I fixed that. Because it's like got this tube that's like, what, eight feet long or something? That's the vacuum cleaner hose. Now it's all full of these chunks of wood chips. <laughs> and uh, so I ran 12 marbles through. I know it's 12 because I made sure to count them to make sure they all came back out the other side. And it, it took three or four passes until I could get the marbles to actually come out. <laughs> but, okay, all right. Uh, the, and, and you were uh, not happy that I was carving a spoon in my office. Well, you know, I said, why didn't you put newspaper down or a tarp? And we we have this really horrible carpet in the Fisher-Price house. And you have a couch in your very small office. And so the wood chips were all over the couch on the carpet and stuck in all kinds of weird places from where they flew. And just... 
vacuuming I, doesn't get it all up. <laughs> I do have a pretty cool office, though. I think my office is, is turning out pretty sweet, mm-hmm. even though it is kind of, you know, because all the shelves have grown and things like that, that it's left very little space for um, my office chair. <laughs> if we if we had floor where it could be swept up, no big deal. Uh, okay. But yeah. So my arm is sore because after my spoon was done, then you uh, were not working on your spoon. And the thing is, it's green wood. Yeah. You got to work on it while it's still green. Yeah. And and so I went down to the shop for a little while today and kind of worked on your spoon a little bit. Yeah. That's why my arm is sore. I see. And um, and by the way, a lot of people might not know this. And I was, in fact, this is the the spoon that I made a few days ago. That was the first spoon I ever completed. And so um, uh, I had some other attempts, but I tried with dry wood, and that is hard. And I was trying to do the same thing. Don't use power tools. And, I mean, if you use power tools, oh, yeah, (laughs) it all gets a lot easier. But uh, I'm trying to do green wood and no power tools. And and this spoon came out fantastic. And uh, it's amazing how quick it goes. All right. Let's see. What are we've got a list? So, the, so basically, yeah. you and I recorded a podcast a, a couple of months ago. Yes. And um, uh, immediately after, like like five minutes after we shut it off, we said, "Oh, we forgot to mention these other things." Right. And so we made a list. Right. And and today, uh, now that list is added more and more and more. And today, we're going to just process this list. So it's all yeah. the little bits and bobs over the last few months, maybe even a little before that. Yeah, we're recording this in January of 2019, and maybe you can hear the Rock Mass heater crackling in the background, and I asked Paul to record it in the kitchen with me because I was still eating lunch, and I might chop a few vegetables if I can do that fairly quietly. Sneak up. You know, I think it's fair to say that uh, it's been very cold the last few days. Yes. Here in Lake Wobegon. (laughs) And... um, um, uh, we, for some reason, decided not to build a fire yesterday. Just nobody felt like it. And so when I, I think that when we went to bed, it was probably 64, maybe even 63 when we went to bed. And for some reason, we just felt like not making a fire, which is fine. Right. Um, we're not going to have frozen pipes or anything until the temperatures start to get to like 20 below. And then we need to raise the temperature inside. And it, it was going to get down to like 10 maybe uh, last night. So we just were lazy and went to bed. And we woke up this morning, and uh, the thermometer in here said 58, which I think is pretty cold. But still, I mean, people with a conventional wood stove would, like, get it up to 75. And then if they didn't get up in the middle of the night, they might have frozen pipes. And so, you know, go rocket mass heater. You're awesome. So we started a fire, and um, now it's probably getting to be probably too warm. What does it say? Oh, it's 71 in here right now. I was thinking that the wood that's in there now is the last wood. So just let it go. Um, But there you go. A little slice of rocket mass heater living. Um, Another angle on it. Okay, so here it is in January. The coldest month around here is December. So we're past the coldest month. It just gets warm warmer from here on out. And um, I kind of feel like, okay, we've we've got only a tiny bit of storage here in the house. And I don't think, have we filled that 
wood storage for the house all the way up yet this year? No, we haven't because we keep bringing in just a couple cubbies worth and then burning all of that and getting a couple more cubbies worth. So we we have not really tracked what we've been using. Yeah, we and, haven't been tracking it, but we haven't. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the thing I'm going for is is that um, we probably get wood in like maybe once a week, and it's not even a full load. Sometimes we might get um, we might go like five days and get another load in. I mean, it's like the amount of wood that we're burning is just minuscule. Well, and I've, I felt like we were burning a lot more than the year we really tracked it all because we're burning the junk pieces. We're burning half rotten wood. We're burning oh, wet yeah. wood. We're burning bark. We're burning all these things that aren't as efficient for putting out heat. And we're burning pieces right. that are too big for a rock mass heater. Well, I mean, not too big, too big, but they're just, they don't heat things up as quick and fast because we were just using up uneven pieces. <laughs> so all of that. When fall set in, we had like, you kind of look around at all the little bits and bobs here and there. We may have had about half a quart of wood. And we're kind of thinking like, we'd probably be fine. We don't need any more than this. But it's like, ah, maybe we should get some more. So so we paid Jeremy. And the going rate around here for a quart of wood is $170. And um, and that's just where they deliver it. But um, And then if they stack it, if they stack it, it's like an extra 20 bucks. And I think we paid Jeremy 250 bucks for a quart of wood. And I was kind of thinking like, because there were some of the ads that were like over $200 for a quart of wood. And I just kind of felt like, okay, we're going to pay top dollar to get a really nice looking, good, healthy stack with no weirdness in it. Because what we were, you know, like we described what we're suffering from is, is that we've had um, a buffet. In fact, a lot of that wood, what we should do is just have a wooden box. And it's like, just throw the wood in the wooden box. Because um, if in order to have a decent stack, it's got to be like 15 to 16 inches long consistently. Yeah. And not wood that has a bunch of branches and twigs sticking out of it or whatever. Because that stuff just doesn't stack. So um, all the stuff that we've burned this year has been odd ducks. And so stuff yeah. that's too long, too short, and like you said, punky. Yeah. A lot of it was like, oh, you go and you, you, you try and cut it, and it's like it breaks into five pieces, not in the way you want it to break. Right. It's like right. five chunks, and they're all rotten. And yeah. it's like, well, that'll burn. And yeah. So. We have that awesome thread at Permies about all the beautiful firewood stacking that people do. They can oh, take yeah. it to an art form. And uh, we have not had wood we could do that with until the cord that Jeremy brought, which is is in the garage. Looks it, sharp. It's beautiful, stacked neatly, stacked securely. And, yeah, uh, looks good. You know, it's very cubic. You yeah. know, it's a big cube of awesome firewood. Speaking of permies, permies hit uh, post or thread number one million. Amazing. Yeah. So we have a million threads now. Um, uh, a whole new area of numbering, I guess. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
the growth statistics. It seems like it was about a month ago I was looking at the statistics, um, and it's like the number of new users is three times higher than it was uh, a year ago. Uh, like the number of new accounts being uh, created and set up, the number the number of new threads is three times higher than a year ago, and the number of new replies is about three times higher than it was a year ago. So we're just we're just having huge growth and high quality posts. Uh, yeah. I don't know any conversation I've been involved in lately. Wow, the quality. Oh. Just today, um, I think it was a thread started yesterday in the Cascadia Forum about a Pacific Northwest nectary calendar, and this poster couldn't find one, and so someone said, I'll make one, <laughs> and created one, and put it up within a day. It's like amazing. Oh, 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 we should talk about Mini-Me. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, we, this is a bits and bobs podcast. We're all over sure, the place. all over the we place. Have, we have notes, but we're not following them yet. <laughs> so Nicole Alderman, yes, made a Paul Wheaton action figure. So we yes. now have a Paul Wheaton action figure, and it's not made out of plastic. It's made out of wool. Yes. So it's more like ragdoll, and so it looks it looks a lot like a voodoo doll. In fact, it comes with <laughs> like pins and needles. Yes, if you want. And a match. Uh, if, you, if you want, but yeah. And and uh, a little accessory that's a piece of pie. Yes, and a light bulb. Oh, yeah. And a little light bulb. And yeah, she made a little pouch out of like a, a, a part of a plaid sleeve. And so it has its own little pouch to keep Paul and his accessories all together. And um, we took pictures pictures of you we because we also got the dragon he can ride right. a dragon i have a, i have my steed is a dragon yes. it's, a, it's a black and red awesome looking dragon yeah wool felted um and and the both of them are wire underneath the wool so they're they're poseable and um so like we like Gumby. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that, but but better. <laughs> um, but we took pictures of you with the mini Paul and the dragon, one on each shoulder, kind of like you had advisors, you know. <laughs> oh, who do I listen to? Right. Right. Which, which right. One? Somebody said listen to the good one. And so one on one side is me, <laughs> mini me, and the other side is a dragon. Right. And I said, Yeah, but which one's the good one? <laughs> right. Exactly. And so then, and then I said something about like, you know, rather than having like good and evil on each shoulder, you should have something where it's like they're not good or evil, but they are opposites. Like, on one shoulder is the accountant, and on on the other shoulder is the party animal. You know, right. and, and it's like uh, uh, let's go have a good time, and the other one's like, you know, hey, we got to do our work here. You know, I think that one would be a good one. They're not. Good or evil. Although, you know, being the accountant personality type, I was an awesome designated driver my younger years. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you can, you can, anyway. I don't um, think I was ever a designated driver. I just don't drink, but then I, I'm not exactly, I'm, I'm so full of projects constantly that I, I just don't go to parties. I was a designated driver and one of my drunk girlfriends almost got us in a huge fight with people with baseball bats. 
That was scary. (laughs) Downtown Seattle. People came flooding out of their car with baseball bats, and I had to somehow get the drunk friend back in the car and get away. (laughs) Yeah. Not fun. I don't know. That could be a sign of a good party. (laughs) It isn't a party until people come out of a car with baseball bats. (laughs) Who knows? Anyway. And and they didn't bring a ball. (laughs) (laughs) There's a sidebar for you. Anyway, the first thing we have on the list, um, we did a fall events follow-up podcast. Um, Right. And we left some stuff out. Yeah. And and I remember one of the big things was is that somebody, so here we are, we're doing the tour. Yeah. And um, I think we're on day two, day two of the tour, because it's taking two days now to do the tour. There's so much stuff. Right. And, uh, And at one point, somebody said something about... You know, like, I don't want to hear any more about the negative stuff. Because it's like, um, like when we look at the berm shed. It's under repair. It is yeah. it is not a completed project. And there's yeah. reasons why. And I kind of feel like, I, I, think, I think if you go to like 99% of the places where they've got cool stuff, they're going to tell you only about the four color brochure. Yeah. They're going to tell you only about the happy path. And the, the beautiful, wonderful things. And I kind of feel like I want everybody to move forward with their projects. And I kind of feel like there's comedy in human beings. And um, and I think that uh, a lot of them are going to behave uh Poorly. I, it might even be possible that, you know, it's 95% are going to behave poorly, but, you know, yeah. there, there's going to be exceptions and whatever else. But the, the, the key is, is that it's, it's, it's hard. And, and it's like, uh, um, and I also feel like, the, the, so my first response to this person was, I have shared more awesome projects that have worked out well and named the creators of those projects. Then uh, we, I've, I've pointed out the problems, and so if you're thinking that you're hearing more negative than positive, that's on you. Well, and I think it's awesome to share lessons learned. I mean, that's what uh, you know. If we wanted to put it into a clickbait title somewhere, like, oh, this is how our shed failed or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, boy, that sure gets attention. And people love to learn from other people's mistakes or try and figure out how to do things differently. I think think this is kind of a a weird, twisted thing. I Uh I think it is part of human nature to believe that, you know, like if you hear about any kind of negative stuff, that it's like, oh, that's such a negative thing. And it's like... I don't I don't think that that's true. I do think that, you know, when for a lot of stuff you don't want to hear about the negative stuff. I want to hear about the positive stuff. I want to hear about the things that were the successes. Yeah. And that's fair enough. Fair enough. That's good. But let's let's take a quick reality check, you know, and that is outside of death. I I and, and for anybody's relationship and I'm talking about, you know, being a partner with somebody, being married, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But it, but for any kind of relationship of that nature, 
that for everybody outside of death in your current relationship, you have a track record of a 100% failure rate. <laughs> yeah. And and for you know what? And if you've got uh, uh, you know if there's if there's 25 people in your history for which you had some sort of relationship, anywhere from a one night stand or uh, you know up up through a marriage that failed or whatever. I suspect that if we interviewed only those people, you're a fucking douchebag, <laughs> according to all those people. Now, there's probably going to be some people that are going to say that you're all right, it just didn't work out, or whatever. But for a lot of them, and it's and it's kind of like, um, I, I mean, I feel like I uh, some of my past relationships uh, ended on a very high note. Like, we've just decided to not travel this path any further. And so I know that I still visit with some of these past people uh, without any problems whatsoever. But I also know there's some people where I don't want to ever talk to them again. They they became very mean. Well, <clears throat> yes. So there's that. Then the next thing is is the concept of jails and prisons. Maybe we don't believe that they exist. Maybe we think that they're like, you know, uh, some sort of myth that, that you hear about once in a while. Or the police. I'm sure everybody has had a chance to meet them. And I think you got to think that we're paying them for a reason. And it's going to be because there are people who behave poorly. And so um, uh, it's like, yeah, there's there's negative stuff. And it's like if you want to believe that there's only hearts and flowers and rainbows, that's cool, too. Go ahead. But I guess the thing I'm wanting to do is I want to improve our overall forward velocity. And I think that our overall forward velocity has a stronger forward motion when we share the dark side as well as the bright side. And we don't just provide a four-color brochure that glosses over the downside. Well, and there, there's so, so much wrapped up in negative versus positive. And, and I really have been trying to figure out how to be more positive myself. Because I'm a personality type that... Uh, does what I think we've laughed about in other pod podcasts that I have a high level of discernment. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Well, we're gonna go there. Well, just <laughs> briefly, but um, I I notice little things like we'll be walking along uh, around base camp and admiring the trees and the bluebirds and the wild turkeys, and I'll be the one to notice a little wrapper or a little plastic bread sack fastener on the ground and go, oh, someone littered. I have to pick that up. You know, I mean, I just notice that kind of stuff. And there is an, an evolutionary theory that we notice the negative to keep ourselves safe. We are, our brains default is to pick up on the negative more and give it more weight to keep us safe. Now that we're, you know, we joke about first world problems all the time. The thing is, we're so flooded with first world stressors that our brains don't know how to deal with that much stress that isn't really life threatening, but it 
physically affects us. And and there's another great thread at Permies about this called something like stress, anxiety, grief, and its manifestations. And Dave Burton started the thread, and I participated quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and talked about this book, Hardwiring Happiness. So there are ways that we tend, we do tend to be negative. And this is different than what you're talking about, but I think it's also very important that we can tend to be negative and we can tend to not know how this stress is impacting us of our modern lives and all the things that we're flooded with on a daily basis. So um, I think there are some very real skills and different ways to deal with it and different ways to turn things more positive in one's life. And I'm personally working very hard on doing that. And I think that's a good thing to mention. And it's a great threat. So, speaking of positive things, did, did you notice our new microphone there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, the other microphone, yeah. uh, the, the battery died, which is not a fault of the microphone. Right. But um, it, it's like, uh, it seems like we take the microphone, we go someplace to try and record a podcast, and then it's like, oh, we forgot battery. So, we end up using the phone. So, now here's a thing that we could take instead, and it just plugs into the phone, and this is thanks to Bill Krim. Yes. Thank and you. So Bill Krim got us uh, a big um, uh, Amazon gift certificate uh, for Christmas, and um, I think we're supposed to to do unto Agents Bullwinkle, or no, Agents Moose and Agent Squirrel. Oh right, uh, something like that. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. He I he wrote something very witty and fun. Um, yeah, I think um, we do share negative stuff from an ed- educational point of view um, and I think um, I think for the most part we sometimes forget to share as many other poli- positive things so so one stupid simple example is when we were making this list we were making it during the holiday time and a lot of people get very stressed and negative during the holidays of having to spend the holidays with certain people <laughs> right so right. um and and really even with the other stressors we've had at Wheaton Labs that we've talked about on podcasts or or that have been online in different places, our holidays here have just been really smooth and joyful, even with people with different um, dietary yeah. choices or restrictions. It's, you know, people jump in the kitchen, we all cook up a storm together and then play games or whatever. So holidays here have just been smooth and lovely and and wonderful. Well, I think it, like Thanksgiving is um, famous for when people get <laughs> together with you know some aunt or uncle that they don't get along with, and they'll but they'll be there. Yeah. And um and it's like torture. Yeah. To go, and and it's like so rather than being this joyous thing, it's a, it's a frustration. Now I'm sure that there's people listening to this podcast right now where they have perfectly lovely Thanksgivings every Thanksgiving, and I've I've just been to Thanksgivings uh-huh. where they've been. But of course, part of it is is that the people that are here have value sets that are very similar yes. to ours. Yeah. And so I I kind of feel like that makes an enormous difference because it's we watched a movie last night. 
We watched Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. So this uh, this guy, this dad, has like I don't know, was it six kids? Something like that. A yeah. lot of kids. Yeah. I didn't try to count them. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a whirlwind of kids. And it's like how many are there? I don't know. So anyway, and he's living in a teepee with them. Basically, yeah, off out grid. The, yeah. Out in the wilderness. Yeah. Very off grid. Yeah. And um, I mean, uh, I I don't remember even seeing a solar panel. Right. Um, and uh, they train all day and study all night. And um, and at one point in the movie, um, he's going to a funeral with his kids, and they stop at like I don't know, maybe it was his sister's house, and his kids and her kids just want to play video games all the time yeah and and so then um, uh, and the sister was like you gotta stop doing this you, you gotta take your kids to a normal school do a normal thing and he called in her kids and said you know what is the Bill of Rights and they were like that was a great scene 13 or 15 and they like had no idea right and couldn't and even brought talk in, about it yeah brought in his 8 year old what is the Bill of Rights and she started to recite it <laughs> and she or and, he, I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, the kids started to read, so it's kind of like, but um, it was, it, it, it was, uh, there was there were similarities between what they were doing and the way that they were living their life, lives out in the woods, um, uh, between them and here. Right. Similarities, not the same. Right. And then the, there was an amazing contrast. And so, of course, um, uh, the funeral was at a church. And and it's like the contrast was phenomenal. Yeah. And, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, they just, they were trying to have, you know, Captain Fantastic, the dad and his kids were... Uh, trying to lead meaningful, intelligent lives that, um, and they were following a certain value set. Trying, you know, there was, you know, they weren't perfect, that's for sure. But, but when they brushed up against someone without the same value sets, it was, and that was most of most of the movie. Most of the rest of America did not have their value oh, yeah. sets. Right. So, and I think it is similar to what permaculturalists run into. I mean, I've been at an extended family dinner, and someone's like, "Oh, well, it's not organic, so Jocelyn wouldn't approve." And you like know. the wine. Oh, right. Yeah, that's on the list too. But it it can be stressful, and and I just wanted to, was trying to point out a positive that things have been smooth and awesome at at Wheaton Labs with holidays and it's awesome to be around like-minded people in that sense. Right. Yeah. And um let's do the thing about the wine. Okay. Organic wine, just yes. real quick. Right. Um there was a headline. I didn't read the sources or the articles, but the headline was about a study that found glyphosate in 100% of the California wines that they tested, even the organic ones. Yeah. And um, that made me think, I mean, I'm so sensitive to wheat. If I get anything tainted with wheat, I get an instant sinus infection that turns into a migraine, and I'm just miserable for three days. Um, and... 
a lot of people have been writing lately about, oh, well, it's not the weed, it's the glyphosate that's making you sick. And I'm just, and I just seem to be getting more and more prone to sinus infections, uh, despite all my efforts to, you know, read about all the things I can do to improve my health, uh, all these different things. And, um, I just wonder if more and more even organic foods are tainted with glyphosate and maybe my sinus infections might be, you know, related to that. I don't know. Well, this is a big reason why with <clears throat> with Wheaton Labs, with the property that I bought, that I bought, I wanted one that was at the end of a road. And and the reason is is that then you have less chance. Like if you're nestled up in Forest Service land and it's big enough, then you're going to have less overspray because drift. I yeah. you know I know that I've talked to dozens, maybe a hundred people, and maybe you've been there for a dozen of them where people are asking me like, what do we do? Our neighbors spray and it you know drifts over. What do we do? And my answer universally is berms <laughs> well uh, my first answer is move oh, okay. you gotta move okay. you gotta get and it's like you gotta get a big enough chunk of land so you've got buffer but yeah berms and but if you only got like three acres you know those berms eat up those acres pretty fast but yeah. it does make a big difference but one place it was like he had uh, 12 acres and they were um, spraying with a plane you know crop dusting and it's like it just would come over as a fog through his whole property. And when he tried to talk to the neighbor about it, the neighbor was kind of like, I won't charge you for it. You know, I'm, uh, I'm so geez. generous. Jeez. And, and it's cool of me. Yeah. You know, and so it's... Uh, um, <clears throat> Well, the, what I think is an awesome corollary to that is um, there is an example in uh, Dan Barber's book, The Third Plate, uh-huh. where he met all of these grain growers. Uh, it's on the East Coast somewhere. I don't remember where or near the East Coast. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, but all of these grain growers were doing organic and they were able to convince their neighboring farms to go organic too. And they just started having this growing area of organic grain growers. And then they needed, they wanted a mill because they were doing something. They were, they were creating live food, not dead white flour food. They were creating food that was highly perishable and yet far more flavorful, far more nutritious and um, takes a lot more skill to bake with. But anyway, Dan Barber and how he goes into this is just so artful. I highly recommend the book. And we have a thread about the book on Permies too. But um, they like set up their own grain mill to to mill the grain of this growing area of how they convinced all their neighbors to farm organic and I I just that was a missing piece of the book okay wait wait how did these farmers convince other farmers to go organic but you know Dan was focused more on the food the author you know and the the end result of of this 
far more nutritious, far more alive, far more vital grain that made a more vital food, which was far more full of flavor and took more art to create and far more full of nutrition, you know. So anyway, it was interesting because it's a totally different way of making bread. And there's a sidebar. But... You know, I want to go back to some of our earlier topics for just a second. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And, and as you're talking about that, I just kind of had a thought. And that is that, um, uh, I mean, a lot of people see the negative, and then a lot of people see just the positive. And a lot of people want to only hear the positive. Yeah. And it's like, and we're talking about, like, you gotta you got to plan for people to be human. Because if you try to plan for people to be noble, then your system will fail. Yeah. And, um, and so I just had a quick thought. And that is like, let's suppose that um, wherever you grew up, there is a McDonald's, you know, the uh, the burger joint, right? Yeah. The Scottish cuisine. <laughs> and so, <No. laughs> and so uh, I, and then like, let's pretend that this McDonald's that you have in your head has been there for 30 years. Yeah. So, how many of the people that are working there today? were there 30 years ago how many were there 10 years ago or five years ago and um i mean how many of them were there a year ago and so it's kind of like i and i think that there's a lot to be said so i'm going to speculate that even for a year ago um less than half of the people were there a year ago and it's like well why you know why what what happened you know, the, the restaurant is still there. Right. Um, why is it the turnover? In fact, I think when we made this list, we were driving away from a lovely little place. And I was kind of thinking, like, I think that this place has been here for 30 years. Hmm. But I'll bet you that for all the people, and there's probably about a dozen people, maybe two dozen people that keep the place operational, maybe even more than that, maybe even like 40 people that are employed there. And I'll bet you that... Um, uh, most of them have uh, more than half of them started within the last year hmm. um, <clears throat> and it's kind of like a little resorty kind of place and so it's like well what's the story of all the people that aren't working there anymore in fact for all the people that are not working there anymore after 30 years I'll bet there's more than a thousand people that are not working there anymore and it's like, you know, I'll bet, and I'll bet you that a quarter of those people have stories to tell. <laughs> you know, and it's like, this one time my manager made me clean up the vomit, and I was so angry. I was like, I'm not the vomit cleaner. You know, something like that. Well, I, I think it's different in more rural areas. You do get people that might work even at McDonald's for far longer just because it's more rural. There aren't that many jobs. And, and people are going to stick with that job a long time because there aren't many opportunities. I think in, in more urban areas, the turnover is even more than what you described. So, right. yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, like, I, I, the, when I talk to people about how they do the job market thing now, it's so different from when I was 
their age, you know. <laughs> Back in my day. So, um, yeah. It's, yeah, everything's everything's so different. All right, what do we got on our list? What's next on the list? Yeah, um, the next thing on the list was um, Jim Jukesack's feedback. Right, right. So Jim was here as one of the instructors for the ATC last year. Yeah. And um, uh, so we're we're sitting around the table and having a meal, and uh, he said something about. We'll get to talking to him about the bounty system that we had and how we we pretty much had to take it out. But you've got a few things that you're still wanting to do bounties on, but you're wanting to do it just for people that are residents and things of that nature. But I was talking about how it turned out to be a, a resentment engine. And um, yeah. so one of the tasks I threw out to him, because this is kind of like it, it became our poster child for this, is I said, okay, you've been staying in the red cabin. And so, you know, you can see uh, the quality of work that was done on the interior um, paneling, which is, I mean, there's a bunch of, um, uh, they weren't one by fours, they were thinner than a one by four, so they're technically three eighths inch thick. Yeah, that were cut on our own solar uh, powered sawmill, electric yeah. sawmill. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we had a big stack of them, and it's like, this is what we're going to do the interior with after the um, uh, wool goes up for insulation. Yeah. And so, um, and I said, basically, we set a price for it. And so I asked him, I said, uh, and, and his whole thing is, is that odd jobs are us. And well, Jim is a, a former shop teacher, and he's done a lot of cordwood home building and other natural building, and um, he's very familiar with and construction. And he's, he's an author? Yes. He's got the that Art show, of Scrounging. The Art of Scrounging. It's awesome. Uh, some very cool stuff in there. But it's kind of like, all right, so here's a guy, I mean, Jim clearly, like, jack-of-all-trades kind of a thing, and yeah. very good. Uh, and it's like, all right, now you've stayed in that cabin for a long time, you've you've noticed this so-called paneling, the, the interior woodwork. Uh, quality level, and his response is quite poor. And um, and so I, I said, all right, so let's say I'm, I handed you a pile of wood and the tools and uh, the insulation. And I said, you know, I want you to insulate this structure and, you know, use the wood to hold up the insulation. So basically do the interior paneling at the same time. Um, <clears throat> and how much would you charge me to do... Um, you know, a 60% better job than what was done. And and he said two hundred dollars, maybe maybe two fifty if you wanted to get particular about some things. And and I said I paid four hundred for it, and I was told that that was you know like and it's the same old recipe. You get 20% of the job, and then they say four hundred isn't enough. That I've clearly underbid the job. I need you to give me more, or I can't finish it. And it's like there were three different people where that exact thing happened. Right. And I kind of feel like if you can't, if you think 400 is too little at any point, then doesn't that mean that you suck at estimating at the beginning? And if you suck at estimating, doesn't that mean you haven't done very much work? Right. Well, the the whole bounty system goal, which we've explained in other podcasts, is 
if you're inexperienced at this, it's going to take you longer. So yeah. you will make less per hour. And then and then that's more fair. But if you're super experienced at this and it's second nature to you and you're just bing, 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 and you throw it up there in half the time of somebody else, then you make more money per hour when it's a flat bounty amount, as we've been calling it. So I asked him, how long do you think it would take you to do this job? <clears throat> and he said, a day. It might be a long day, but it would be one day. And I said, there were two guys that did this. It took them two months. And uh, so now, you know, when we sent those guys down the road, they were, it was problematic. So, um, <clears throat> but... The the uh, it's another example. It was like a relationship that didn't work out. Yeah. Well, and and I do think we suffer from our catch twenty two that we've talked about. We're we're trying to get things built so it's nicer here, so we can attract better people. But you need the people to make it nicer. Yeah. yeah. And 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 we're so rural, and uh, uh, we just there's there's not a good labor pool nearby um, and if there is any good labor pool they usually get drawn into um, jobs in Missoula because yeah. we're close enough to Missoula um, it's just it's 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 difficult it's hard to find good help anywhere so we yeah. we make the best of it and yet yeah. at the same time there's you know for every project for which there were there was comedy there are probably at least two projects for which there was not and I think a great example of uh, of a bounty project that went the other way was the lumber shed and um, it was going to be six hundred dollars for it and Kai said at the beginning he says I don't know if six hundred dollars is a good price or a bad price but i figure i'm going to be getting paid to learn yeah and i think he did a good job and, he well, goes, and the and same thing with the gate? gate that kai built yeah you paid him an extra 200 dollars because it turned out so pretty yeah yeah and it's been uh it's been a really solid gate too i mean yeah. that the handle needed some repair but um not a big deal because the rest of it's just been not and he repaired it. it he yeah. came out and repaired it for nothing yeah yeah and then this winter we were out there because it wouldn't open yeah and it, it turned out we had some frost heaves right at the gate so we had to go out there and kind of dig some rocks around a little bit and okay. replant them so that way the the gate would work again yeah yeah because <clears throat> there's little rock uh what would you call that like a sill yeah almost like a rock sill right under the gate just to help it be more secure for chickens in the future yeah and yeah. and that kind of thing so yeah that's that's been awesome but uh you wanted to point that this podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.